The Orioles have players injured at the major league level, and Jordan Westberg is tearing it up at the AAA level. So why hasn't he been called up yet? I'll answer that question and more coming up on this mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, June 6th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are opening up the mailbag. After the Orioles were off on Monday, traveling from San Francisco to Milwaukee, I will answer nine Orioles questions, all from you, the listeners, here coming up on this episode. We'll talk about the Orioles' draft plans coming July. We'll talk about Jordan Westberg and Colton Kowser when they can get to the big leagues. A little bit about the O's' deadline plans as well and much, much more. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So let's jump right into the mailbag here. Orioles off on Monday, took some questions. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted your mailbag questions and continue to submit them. Leave them in the comments right here. Email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. Tweet us at LockedOnOrioles. Make sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple. Leave a question there as well. Answer them all on future mailbags. O's got a bunch of Mondays off coming up this month, so more and more mailbags coming up. But nine questions, all from you, the listeners. Let's start it right here. Our first Question comes from Panorama Jazz Band on YouTube, always commenting and watching the show. We thank you so much. Who asks, with the Orioles now playing well and also no longer picking in the top five of the draft, they will pick 17th this year, and hopefully they'll continue to not pick in the top five of the draft. How will they continue to acquire good young talent in the system? Now, this is a good question because the main way that Michael Elias and his staff acquired all this good young talent during the big-time centerfold of the rebuild, was picking in the top five every year. Obviously, they picked number one in 2019. They get Adley Rutschman. They picked number five, or I should say they picked number two in 2020. They get Heston Kerstad. Pick number five in 2021. They get Colton Kowser. Pick number one in 2022. You get Jackson Holiday. That right there is four of easily your top ten prospects. Then also there was the trading. There was a lot of talent to be traded away. The Orioles picked up a lot of guys. You can look at the Major League roster right now. You know, guys like Gidye Cano, guys like Kyle Bradish. You know, those players came to this team via trade and are helping them now at the big league level. But now when you get to a team that shouldn't be, I mean, they still might be a little bit, but shouldn't be selling at the deadline or in the offseason and won't be picking the top five, how do you get there? Where number one, where the Orioles are finally starting to catch up, is international signings. It doesn't matter. There's no international draft at the moment. So if you're willing to spend the money and work it out the best way you can with your international bonus pool money, you can get stars. There's a lot of stars around Major League Baseball right now who are international signings as teenagers. It's a sleazy system, but it's the way a lot of teams acquire talent right now. And the Orioles are finally into that phase with Michael Eyes at the helm and the complex in the Dominican Republic seems to be almost done at this point that will help them even more. And you're starting to see finally some of those players that they've signed already get into full season ball. Samuel Basayo is one of the big ones, you know, 
killing things in Del Marvo right now. It's going to be a few more years, but they're going to get higher and higher prospects in that process as the years go on. Also, the draft. Listen, I get you're not going to maybe get a generational player every time when you pick outside the top five. When you're picking number one, the Orioles have gotten Rutschman and Holiday. The two of them seem like generational players, at, the, at least at this point. It's tougher to do that lower in the draft. You don't get your pick of every single guy out there. But there's still plenty of great guys available at 17. There's still 20 rounds of the draft, and there's still undrafted free agents out there. Plenty of teams get great players later in the draft. I mean, the easy one to say is Mike Trout went in the 20s of the first round when he was selected by the Angels. You can get a generational player anywhere in the first round if you're scouting right and you do your right job. And the O's have done that really well so far under Elias. So that's another way. And then they'll still make some trades, I think, that will get them prospects. Trades similar to the Jorge Lopez deal last year where it'll be kind of a two-way trade. You know, the Orioles do kind of get a little worse for that current season, at least for the moment. But as we know, they got Kate Povich, who was pitching well for a while at AA, highly rated prospect. They got Yinye Cano. It's been just amazing for the Orioles this year and got two younger pitchers. You can see them continue to do trades that kind of bring them prospects but still help them get better at the current moment. That's the ways they continue to do this despite not picking in the top five and not going full sell at the deadline. Second question of the day also kind of has to do with the draft. This is from Alf on Twitter who asks, will the Orioles go best player available at number 17 in the first round or will they finally target some starting pitching in the first round of the draft this year? Now, the reason this question comes up is twofold. One is because the Orioles have not picked a pitcher in the first round of any draft under Mike Elias. Actually, the earliest he's picked any pitcher is the fifth round. He's had multiple pitchers he's taken in the fifth round. But generally, he's not picking pitchers really before that. Now, some of that is the Orioles' development system. I think they feel better developing hitters at this point, and the plan is kind of develop hitting and go out and get pitching. You know, the hitting is still ahead of the pitching at this point, really at all levels, including the majors, so... Jury's still out on that approach, but a lot of teams have done that in the past. It's not something that's crazy. And again, the Orioles don't have a lot of high-level pitching prospects in the system, and they're still rated number one, which tells you there's not a lot of systems who have a crazy amount of pitching and a crazy amount of hitting. It's hard to get all of that talent in one place. Just not enough spots, not enough 40-man roster spots eventually. But the second part of this question is, well, the O's, as I just said, they haven't picked outside of the top five with Michael Elias. Now they're down at 17. Does that change things? First of all, I will say, I do think they'll still go best player available or at least best fit available. There could still be some, you know, underslotting going on at 17, but I think it's less likely because the slot value at 17 is just much lower than it is in the top five. The O's still have some compensation picks. So they still have some other picks early in the draft. But generally, you can still get a really good player at number 17. And some of the guys that have been thrown out there on mock drafts, some of these guys you might recognize if you were watching what was an incredible, I mean, maybe one of the best ever regional weekends in the college baseball NCAA tournament this season. Fortunately, the Terps went out to George Mason in the Wake Forest Regional, but they were done in by the selection committee. That's a whole other podcast. But MLB.com, the latest one, had Hurston Waldrip, a right-handed pitcher at Florida. It's got some great stuff. That's interesting to see a pitcher there. Uh, just Baseball Media had Brock Wilkin, third baseman for Wake Forest. Just crazy power from the right side. 
The Athletic, Bryce Eldridge. Actually, a couple places have Bryce Eldridge. He's a two-way guy in high school right now. You know, really good-looking hitter, first baseman, but also a great-looking right-handed pitcher. And the O's could see him as a pitcher down the road. Uh, Yo-Yo Morales I've seen on some mock drafts. The crazy power hitter at Miami. Rhett Lauder, who I think... Might be the best pitcher in the country. At worst, he's number two behind Paul Skeens, a right-hander, the ace of the Wake Forest rotation, who carved up the Terps on Friday night. And then speaking of the Terps, Matt Shaw, their All-American shortstop, Big Ten player of the year, great power, great hitter, great defense from the right side of the plate. All those guys could be there. I think if the O's are going to go pitcher, finally in the first round, I think this becomes the year because it's a lot scarier to take a pitcher in the top five but down at 17 you feel a little better there I'm not saying they're gonna go pitching but I think there's a better chance it happens this year a lot of good pitching in the first round as well third question came from a lot of different people this is a very popular one for today's mailbag Dennis Osolo and Ryan all on Twitter asking this question when will the Orioles call up Colton Kowser it's a fair question right because Cedric Mullins is on the injured list it feels like for at least a month he's going to be out and the immediate reaction was, oh, let's call up Kowser. Well, then everyone kind of realized Kowser was on the injured list, had a quad injury, missed a couple of weeks in AAA Norfolk. But he is back now in the AAA lineup. Now, he's not playing full games yet, so he is not ready now to come up. But Kowser returned on Saturday, played in Saturday's game as a DH, and then came out of the game after three at-bats. Played Sunday's game as the center fielder, came out after two at-bats. And some people were freaking out, like, oh, no, he's coming out of the game. No, that was the plan. Instead of going to Aberdeen and doing rehab, they just brought him right back to Norfolk and kind of building him up. So he played, you know, five innings, six innings, plays the field more, gets a day off. Then he gets towards nine innings, then does nine back-to-back days. And it takes about a week to ten days to get that full build-up back in Norfolk. So the first answer to the question is, it's going to be at least another week before, even if he is the plan, to fill in for Cedric Mullins for now, it's going to be at least another week as they build him up. Kowser just picked up right where he left off when he returned to the lineup. In the two games this weekend for AAA Norfolk, four for five, a double, a homer, three RBIs. Yeah, I mean, it's good stuff. The swing looks great. He looks healthy and ready to go. So this time next week, when you get to Tuesday, June 13th, I think that's when you can start to think about it. And it does depend on also the status of Aaron Hicks and Ryan McKenna and how they are holding down center field. We haven't seen a lot of McKenna. That's because it's been a lot of right-handed starters the O's are facing. If they start to potentially face some more lefties here, we'll see more McKenna. But generally, we see more Aaron Hicks, and he's been great. Five for 11 in his first four games as an Oriole. So that's always good. So it's also going to factor in how those guys are playing, too. You know, what the situation with Josh Lester and Taron Vavra and Ryan O'Hearn becomes as well. But... I would say it's going to be at least a week to 10 days. Then they have him fully built up. They start to think. My answer would be, I still do think he comes up before Mullins comes back. I'll say two weeks from now, we might see Colton Kowser. But we got six more questions to get to here on a mailbag episode. Talk a little bit about Jordan Westberg coming up next and when he could come to the big leagues. Talk about Adley Rutschman's defense and why... Metrically, it's a little down here in 2023. And then a question about, you know, the Orioles' AAA roster and who on it is actually better than guys on the big league roster. But we'll get to that coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, if you're someone who is looking for tickets to any games, any concert, any show, but specifically maybe looking to go to the O's game, look no further than game time. For me, I'm a last-minute ticket buyer. I do it. I live close to the stadium. 
I make a decision late, I get to the game. Game time helps me do that because it's not stressful. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They got killer deals on last-minute tickets, and they've got their best price guarantee. You go on the app. The app is super easy to use. They got these flash deals. The tickets are easy to find, and they know I want Orioles tickets. So once you do that, you get on the app, the O's tickets, boom, right there when you open the app. It could not be easier. It's basically two clicks, and you've got your tickets sent directly to your phone. Now, they've also got the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So we're back here, mailbag episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast on a Tuesday. O's getting to Milwaukee coming up tonight, starting a three-game series. You can listen to the Orioles' hometown broadcast of all three of those games on the SXM app with SiriusXM. Just go on the app and search Orioles, and you can listen to that hometown call. Now, six more mailbag questions to get to here. Next one comes from Mark on Twitter, who asks... Quite simply, and other people have asked this question as well, why are the Orioles holding Jordan Westberg in AAA? It's a fair question. It became more of a question when Josh Lester got called up over the weekend, replacing Danny Coulomb, who went on the bereavement list. Again, our thoughts go out to Danny and his family. Now, I think some of it might have been Lester could have been on the taxi squad. Maybe it was easier for him to get to San Fran. But either way, you bring up an infielder who's crushing it at AAA, well, Westberg's doing a lot of crushing at AAA right now. 309 average, 384 on base, 608 slugging, 15 homers, 14 doubles. That's a 992 OPS at AAA this season. And when you combine 2022, where he had a solid amount of plate appearances in 2022, I mean, spent most of the year in AAA, he's got 650 or right around 650 plate appearances in his career in AAA. For any Orioles top-ish rated prospect, Nobody has gotten to that number. Everybody else has been called up before, I believe, even reaching 600 AAA plate appearances. So that does make you wonder. Now, there's a couple reasons here why they haven't called him up. First of all, the Josh Lester thing, I wouldn't be surprised if Lester goes back to AAA or if someone else goes back to AAA, maybe Taron Vavra, basically at some point today, if not tomorrow. That was a very short-term call-up. That's kind of the reason why they didn't go Westberg. I don't know if they wanted to call up Westberg just to start one or two games, then have to make another roster move. It made more sense for a guy like Lester, who, shout out to him, got his first hit, two RBIs in, in the win on Sunday. But further than that, why he's not here, it's a fair question, right? Jorge Mateo, terrible in the month of May. Terrible. And Joey Ortiz, I'm not sure what's going on with him. You know, they said he's been under the weather. He's been feeling sick. He hasn't played in you know, a week and a half at this point in AAA. And, you know, he was posting on his Instagram that, you know, he was at the ballpark and the Tides were posting pictures of him at batting practice. So it didn't look like anything where he, like, couldn't come to the ballpark or he was, you know, bedridden or anything like that. But he's not playing right now. So I'm interested to hear kind of what's going on with Ortiz, but he's not an option. Mateo's not doing anything. And with Ramon Arias, he's back but not really producing. Gunnar Henderson now with a little back issue. Seems like a time to call up another shortstop. 
and it just it, it hasn't been Jordan Westberg at this point. He's he's crossed any thresholds he needed to cross, I would think. You know, he's playing the outfield too, giving a little more versatility defensively. First thing is, I still feel this is not an I know, this is not an I have sources. This is my opinion, and I feel that the Orioles are planning to trade Jordan Westberg potentially even before he ever gets to the big leagues. Like if you made me split second decide right now, does Westberg ever play a game as an Oriole? I would say no at this point. I think he's the perfect piece right now where you have Ortiz, you have Henderson, you even still have Mateo and Arias. You have Jackson Holiday coming up the pipeline. You still have Connor Norby. You got Kobe Mayo. It seems like the time that Jordan Westberg, although he's very talented, a right-handed hitter with pool power is not going to play very well with the new wall at Camden Yards. Seems like the guy who's, might be the odd man out. Not that he's the least talented one, because he's not out of that group, but just feels to me to be the right the, the the odd man out. And when you think about it, a lot of prospects, especially when they're dominating a AAA like he is, and he's still young, you know, still 23, 24, still a prospect. They almost become more valuable dominating AAA than they would be if he came up and had any struggles in the big leagues. Because A, all you're seeing right now out of Westberg, if you're another team, is Dominance, 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 high prospect ranking, top 100 guy, has all the tools. But if you see him struggle in the big leagues, which he probably would his first time coming up, most guys do, a little doubt creeps into your mind, just a little bit. You know, if you're a good team and a good scouting department, you still say, well, he's got the tools to be this player a year down the road. But a little bit of doubt creeps into your mind. Like, what if, you know, that bad 10-game stretch is more indicative of what he's going to be? So that lowers the value just a little bit. And the other thing is the 40-man roster. If you're going to trade him to a rebuilding team, yes, Jordan Westberg is pretty much big league ready. And any team that acquires him should probably put him on the major league roster at some point this season. But he's not Rule 5 eligible until the offseason. So as long as he's not on the 40-man roster, which he's not right now, he's a little bit more valuable than he is because you have more roster flexibility if you trade for a guy that's not on the 40-man versus if the O's call him up, put him on the 40-man, and then trade him, another team would really have to make room for him, especially if they don't plan, if they're super rebuilding, and they don't quite plan to immediately put him in the big leagues. That's one of the reasons. The other reason could be the Super 2 deadline. It kind of comes up right around early June here. We're, we're pretty close to hitting that deadline. And it's a very complicated way of looking at arbitration. But essentially, guys are sometimes held down past kind of early to mid-June because it crosses what they call the Super 2 threshold. And some guys who get called up before then actually earn an extra year of arbitration, which means they eventually get more expensive when they get into kind of the third, fourth, and fifth years of their quote-unquote rookie deals. And so teams will hold them down for a little longer just because they become cheaper and they hit arbitration later. That is another thing to consider here with the Orioles. I mean, they're not spending a lot of money, so they're probably thinking about things like the Super 2 deadline. Those things combined, I think, is my answer at this point for why Westberg isn't up here. Fifth question comes from David on Twitter who asks, why are Adley's defensive metrics down this year? This question actually surprised me because Adley's been so amazing once again, been the Orioles' most valuable player, defense amazing, offense amazing, everything. But when I looked, and remember, it's a small sample size, it's two months of the season so far, they have been a little down. Like, you look at blocking last year. Adley was the number one rated blocking catcher by StatCast in blocks above average. This year, he's basically league average. He's at zero blocks above average. In his framing, he was the number 13 framing catcher in all of baseball in 2022. He's basically, once again, league average here in 2023. He's still in the top 10 for pop time. His pop time is insane. But even his throwing 
down to second base. That arm strength metric and his throwing is rated pretty much league average. Now, that's still really valuable when you're a great hitting catcher. Your pop time's great. And you're still framing and blocking well, just not nearly well enough. I think there's a couple things here. One is small sample size. And defensive metrics are already a little bit iffy, those kind of deeper defensive metrics. When you add in this just two months of the season, they're hard to trust. Those are metrics that more so you look at at the end of a full season. They're tough to look at midseason, especially in early June. And the other thing, he's just playing more. He's playing more. There's more on his plate offensively and defensively. And when you're a catcher and when there's that much on you, sometimes things will slip a little bit. For now, it really hasn't impacted how great of a player he is. So I'll worry maybe a little bit more if it's July or August and the numbers still look like that and it's impacting his game. But right now, they are down. But I think those are probably just the things that are going on. Next question comes from Sapo on Twitter, who asks, who would you personally replace on the Major League roster with a AAA player in Norfolk right now? Basically, like, who is probably better right now in AAA than a player at a similar spot on the big league roster? I honestly went with five players. Now, I didn't count Josh Lester in this conversation because, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like Lester was probably just here for a couple of days. When Danny Coulomb comes back, hopefully soon, you know, he gets you know things straightened out. And again, thoughts with his family, but does come off the bereavement list. I'm thinking Lester probably goes back down, so I'm not really counting him at this point. But of the other, you know, 25 guys currently on the roster, I would say, I mean, I know it's been tough to watch, but Grayson Rodriguez is, is better than Bruce Zimmerman. I would put him on the roster right now. Talent-wise, he's just better. D.L. Hall over Keegan Aiken. I mean, with what's going on with Hall and the deloading and whatever it is, just, just put him in the bullpen in the big leagues right now. He is easily better than Keegan Aiken. Aiken's the worst pitcher on the big league staff right now. Just make the move. I mean, that's that's probably the easiest one on this list. Then I would say CNL Perez is starting to worry me. Now, I thought about Hall for Perez, but actually if you do Hall for Aiken, how about this one? This was a little off the board. I didn't go Nick Vespi. That would be an interesting pick. I went with Darwin's and Hernandez. O's brought him in from the Red Sox this offseason. Great stuff, kind of command issues, but he's had a good year in AAA. That stuff is dominant. And if he can do some sort of CNL Perez-like turnaround, which the O's are already starting with him in Norfolk, he could be better than CNL Perez because I think the stuff is better. So he was kind of an off-the-board one. Then, I mean, kind of an easier one, Ryan McKenna for Colton Kowser. I mean, as long as Kowser's healthy and ready to go, that's another easy one. And then Taron Vavra for Jordan Westberg, especially if Westberg can play a little bit of outfield just to give them that versatility. That would be my five right there that I would replace and I think could make the Orioles better at this point. But three more questions to get to here on the Mailbag episode to finish things out. A question about the Orioles trade deadline, which pitchers they might go after, kind of comparing two of the biggest names. We'll talk a bit about what the O's rotation could look like from this point if a playoff series was starting today. And then a little bit about Heston Kerstad, who we got some really good news for on Monday. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Now, it's easy to just get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and, and to never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Well, therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. I've benefited from therapy in my life. Many people in my life have as well. And it helps you learn different skills for coping, for just helping you through your everyday life and being a better version of yourself. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMLB. So we finish up the mailbag episode of the pod here. Three more questions to get to, all from you, the listeners. First one comes from Aiden on Twitter who asks, Who would you prefer, Dylan Cease or Shane Bieber that the Orioles trade for at the trade deadline? Now we know the Orioles should be looking for starting pitching and hopefully would be looking to acquire an ace. And two of the biggest names out there right now are Shane Bieber and Dylan Cease. Now both of them are interesting because both have been Cy Young level pitchers in their careers. Both are still fairly young in their late 20s. Both have multiple years of control, but both are kind of having down years in 2023, which really makes them both interesting. Here's kind of the, the facts right now, the comparison. Dylan sees both of them right-handers. Dylan sees 27, and he would have two more years of control after this year, so you'd get him for two and a half years if you got him at the deadline. Bieber's 28, you'd get him for a year and a half. He's a free agent after 2024, Cease after 2025. Each is pitched around the same innings, Cease 68 and Bieber 75, although it's interesting because Bieber's 75 innings in just 12 starts, Cease 68 innings in 13 starts, so Bieber's been getting deeper into games this year. Bieber has a better ERA and a better FIP, 3.72 ERA, 4.14 FIP, compared to Cease, 4.63 ERA, or ERA, 4.27 FIP. So the FIP tells you they've been kind of similar. Cease getting way more strikeouts, 25% K rate, but walking more batters at 11%. Whereas Bieber's strikeouts way down this year, just a 17% strikeout rate, but a 7% walk rate is still below league average, throwing a lot of strikes. Now, Bieber's been interesting because he's still been effective, but remember, the Orioles tagged him for seven runs in four innings when they faced him last week. Dylan Cestio's got a couple of runs off of when they faced him in Chicago earlier this year. The strikeout stuff is still there, but he's getting hit harder this year than he did when he was amazing in 2022. I think they both have their drawbacks. I would say I would take Cease because if you're looking at the issues of both guys, I'm a little more concerned about Bieber because at least for Cease, the strikeouts are still there. Like, yeah, he's getting hit harder and giving up more runs, but the strikeouts are still there. So the upside is still there if he can start to turn it around. Bieber's not striking out a lot of guys, so he's relying more on soft contact. And we saw when the O's faced Bieber what can happen to him against a good lineup when he doesn't get as soft a contact and he can't rely on the strikeouts like he used to when he was Cy Young Shane Bieber. Now, I don't think either of them are cooked or anything. I mean, they're 27 and 28 years old. But again, Cease is one year younger. He also has one more year of control on the end of it. That's huge for an Orioles team that with John Angelos right now, I don't think he's looking to extend any big name pitcher like this. So because of that, I'd take Dylan Cease if they were both you know, around the same price at the trade deadline. Next question comes from Luke on YouTube who asks, and this is a question I've gotten asked on a mailbag before, but I kind of always like to update the answer here. What would the Orioles playoff rotation look like right now if a playoff series started today? Now, I hope if the O's are in the playoffs that some sort of free agent, not free agent, trade deadline addition is in this rotation. But if I have to look at it right now, I mean, the answer is kind of easy because the Orioles are only rolling with a four-man rotation right now. So I think if the playoffs started right now, if it was a wild card series, which are best of three, I'd go Kyle Gibson game one. I just want the veteran who I know can pitch deep into a game ready to go. Tyler Wells has been the O's best starter. I'd put him game two. And then honestly, in a game three winner take all, I'd have Dean Kramer start because I know he can give length. But as soon as he got into trouble, I'd have Kyle Bradish ready out of the bullpen to go. I would also probably call up Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall to have them ready out of the pen as well if we needed length. 
if it was a four-game series, so either ALDS, ALCS, or World Series, I'd just put Braddish at the number four spot right now and have Grayson and DL Hall out of the rotation. But if I'm projecting forward, and I think the O's are in the playoffs, they're in the wild card series, who are their three starters? I'm going to still say Gibson one. I'm going to say Wells two. And I'm going to say Grayson Rodriguez would be their number three. I still think he'll figure it out by then. If the O's are getting to the playoffs, they're going to need something more from Grayson. And that would be the projected out rotation in the postseason. And the ninth and final question of the day comes from Ben on Twitter, who asks, could Heston Kerstad get to the big leagues to play some first base at any point in 2023? And a really good question for Ben to ask right now because we got some great news on Heston Kerstad on Monday. Kerstad has been promoted to AAA Norfolk after all he's gone through health-wise, injury-wise, dominating double a this year 206 plate appearances he was hitting 310 with a 383 on base 576 slugging 11 homers 10 doubles a 157 wrc plus and his 15 percent strikeout rate is lower than adley rutschman's was when he was in double a that's pretty good for heston kerstad for a power hitter to not be striking out too too much he's not walking a lot only seven percent but still everything else has been great just crushing the ball from the left side. Been playing some first base along with mostly right field and a little bit of left field as well. But just great to see for Heston Kerstad going up to AAA. He joins Easton Lucas, the hard-throwing left-hander who also goes from AA to AAA in this move. And seems like I believe Bob Phelan pointed this out, uh, reporting this on Twitter, one of the co-hosts of BSL On The Verge, that it looks like Hudson Haskin will uh, return from his rehab assignment and will also join AAA Norfolk to kind of sure up that outfield now with Haskin, Kowser, and then Kerstad in the outfield, which is exciting out there. Hopefully for not too long, because hopefully we see Kowser in the big soon. But can I see Kerstad getting up there? I can. It wouldn't super surprise me. I mean, he's now in AAA, and it's June 6th. He's got time to put AAA on fire and get to the bigs. There's spots there. I mean, Ben in his question mentioned, like, could he take Ryan O'Hearn's spot? O'Hearn's been great, but I don't know if Ryan O'Hearn can sustain this level of production, even when he's a part-time player throughout the season. And Heston Kerstad certainly has a higher upside than Ryan O'Hearn, no disrespect to O'Hearn, but I think we would all agree that Kerstad's got the higher upside. So I think it could happen. You know, the fact that he's still playing a lot of outfield. He's still played more innings in the outfield than he has at first base this year, which is a good sign. I mean, the O's still trust him out there defensively. So he can give you versatility. Maybe he can be that backup first baseman by the end of the year. I think it's possible, but I'm going to say no. I think the O's have enough bats to get to the big. Still got to get Kowser up there. Still got to get, you know, Ortiz back up there. And maybe if they don't trade him, got to get Westberg up there. All those guys are ahead of Kerstad in the pecking order. I just think that means for now he won't be here this year. But I do think easily it's a candidate for the 2024 opening day roster. But just what a moment that is for him to get triple A after all he's been through. One step away from the bigs. That is awesome, awesome, awesome for Heston Kerstad, who's just been tearing it up in double A and hope to see him tear it up in triple a but that'll do it for today's episode thank you so much for submitting questions and listening to the mailbag episode here i will be back tomorrow again reminder that uh on the road a bit this week so posting times for the episodes could be a little wonky but again i'll still have episodes wednesday thursday and friday as we'll talk orioles and brewers coming up this week that starts a three-game series in milwaukee tonight 7 40 p.m eastern time start kyle gibson gets the ball for the orioles he will go against freddie peralta brewers just took a series from the reds as they're sitting right around that first place spot 
in the NL Central at 33 and 27 on the season. Peralta had been great in the past. He struggled a little bit this year, 4.62 ERA in 11 starts for the 27-year-old righty. The stuff is still good, but he's getting hit a little harder than he's used to this season. His last start was just kind of okay against the Blue Jays. Six innings, three runs, three Ks and two walks and i'll be back with you tomorrow to recap game one between milwaukee and baltimore get you updates on gunner henderson's injury updates on heston kerstad his first game in triple a some roster moves potentially as well and much much more but until then i'm connor newcomb and this has been the locked on orioles podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day